Sarah. Now, why did I want you to see this, this video? Because I want you to see how good God is. How good God is. Because you just hear about that young woman that, you know, had cancer of the ovaries. But I want you to see a little further how God is so good that he set her up. You know, she ended up going to vac- on vacation back to Burundi. And it happened to be just the time where I was there doing a healing conference. And she heard for four days, morning till evening, her whole family was there. She heard about healing, about the will of God, how to get healed, and how to pray for the sick. And you know what is even? And she didn't know she had cancer. It's three weeks later that she found out. She had cancer of the ovary and she was in Burundi and, and one ovary was so damaged that the doctor said, we've got to take it out right now. And it just kind of, you know, sometimes a doctor can press you a little bit. Like they say, you've got to have it now. And so they took the ovary. But then later they said, there is nothing we can do for you anymore. We're going to send you to India. And you know what is so awesome about it is that God set her up to hear the message before And her little sister, 12 years old, was there also. And she said, you know what, Dorian? You see what Audrey Matt taught, that we can pray. And and her 12-year-old little sister had the guts to say and lay hands. She came one day and lay hands on her as she was laying in bed and prayed for her. And that 12-year-old little girl prayed and her big sister went to India and the doctor said why are you here say well because I have cancer and they say you can help me and they did all kind of MRI they said cancer no you don't have cancer why did you come here your ovaries are perfect she's like my ovaries is the she said yeah look she's and so she called her doctor in, in Africa in Burundi she said doctor did you really take out that ovary she said, yeah, it's in a jar and, you know, that alcohol on my shelf. <laughs> and you see also, that is the love of God. How the whole, you just like, you see, like Holy Ghost was chasing me with a crazy Texan man. <laughs> God had set her up. So before he knew, she would be right there in Burundi in vacation. And he had her family sit down and hear the, uh, all about healing and faith and how to get a hold of the promises of God. And you see also that young lady, Erin. She had had fibromyalgia for 10 years. She couldn't work. She was in bed. She said, half of my time was in bed. I felt like I would run. I would be walking. I felt like I had run a marathon. And you see how God is so good, so faithful, so kind. That he, I was driving to that meeting with my husband and I had prepared a really good message. And halfway as I'm getting there, so down the Holy Ghost says, uh-uh, you're not preaching on that tonight. I'm like, I'm not. He said, no, I want you to preach on healing. Had God changed my message, changed what I was going to do? Because a, a young woman needed to hear about healing. And then while I'm right there in the meeting, out of the blue, I'm like, well, did God tell you to wear the color blue? I don't even know why I said that, but Holy Ghost. You see the goodness of God. And so that's what I want to talk about this morning. Because you see, in, 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 in having confidence in who God is. 
Because you know in Mark 11, 20 to 25, this is where Jesus taught on faith to his disciple. But you know the first thing he told the disciple when they said, Lord, you know, do, do you know how did you do that? He had just cursed a fig tree. And in, in, in 24 hours, it was totally dead. And Peter said, how did you do that? And you know the first thing that Jesus said? He says, have faith in God. And you know, and I know, and I've been some of them where we've taught, have the faith of God. But here is the problem. Yes, we need to have the faith that, like Jesus said, that speaks to the mountain, that receives the promises. But right here, there is a point that Jesus was making. Before you can speak to the mountain, before you can believe you receive, your faith, your confidence in God has to be so has to be strong that you know that your daddy God loves you. He's not against you, he's for you. God loves us so much. Oh, and you see, do you know why I wanted you to see those testimonies? Because the Bible says in Revelation chapter 19, verse 10, it says the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. I have been thinking about this, meditating on this. And you know what I realize? What prophecy is? Prophecy is a prediction. It's an utterance of the will and the purpose of God. It means if God has done it, he wants to do it again. That is his purpose. That is his will. So when we see one testimony, you know what I declare? You know what God is saying? I want to do it again. And I want to do it again. And I want to do it again. And you know, because, you know, and I love that the, 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 all of, during the conference, we talked about how it is important to build our life on the word, to meditate on the word, to, to just put us, that's why Karis is so powerful. You know, and for some, uh, some of you here that think, I don't know, I'm working, I don't know if I go to do Karis. My husband has a business. He works 60 hours a day, but you know, he did Karis twice. Uh, uh, two days a week at night, working a full day. At the end of the day, he'd go to Karis. He would be the first student. Never got laid. Never missed a day. It took him four years, but he did it. And for some of you that think, well, I don't have the money. Let me tell you something. When my husband did Karis, it was during the, the slump where construction was at, at a dead. But we said, uh-uh, we're not going to let mammon tell us what we can do or not do. We tell mammon what he's going to do for us. It's our servant, not our master. And we put our faith there, and he did, he did Karis. And you know, here is the good news. It's just a little soundbite for Karis. Greg Moore is not even here. He'll be proud of me. Let me say something. For those of you that say, well, I don't have the money. We didn't have the money. For one year, all of our employees got a paycheck, but we didn't. And we chose to, to put our faith. And my husband went to Karis during that time. And you know what happened? God turned so things around that we got out of debt and we got, phew. now he has so much work, he can't even be here. So now, this is free. I'm not going to charge you for it. <laughs> because if you are waiting for things to be perfect, to come to Karis, you can wait until the, the, the hell turns 
into freeze. I better just move on because I'm getting in trouble here. So I want to go back that Jesus said, yeah, you're going to speak to the mountain and it's going to move. You're going to believe, you're going to receive the promises of God. It shall be done. But first you got to have faith in God. And you know, when we talk about Abraham, you know, we call him the father of faith. Because here is the danger. If our faith is not in God, we're going to put our faith in something. And most of the time, it's going to be our faith in our faith. We're going to get, all of a sudden, I see people say, Audrey, I've done everything I need to do. I've confessed. I've prayed. I did this. I did that. No, no. Because you see, we've got to forget about ourselves. And we've got to consider Jesus is the author and the finisher of our faith. And our confidence, our faith has to be in Jesus, in God. And we see Abraham, the father of faith. It says that Abraham was fully persuaded. Why? That God was able. That God was able to fulfill what he had spoken. His faith was in God. Even when he, oh glory to God. Even when he put Isaac on the altar. It says that he put him on the altar without blinking an eye. Because he knew. He knew his confidence. His faith was in God. That even though he would slay Isaac, God would be able to rise him from the dead. You see, his faith was not in himself. His faith was in God. In the goodness of God. The faithfulness of God. The power of God. And we see all the testimonies. It's the spirit of prophecy showing you that God is so good. He wants you healed more than you do. Just like he wanted me to move in the... You know, in the healing and miracle more than even that I did. God is so good. God is so powerful. Yeah, he is powerful, but he's good. And our faith has to be in him. You know, I remember when I was a young Christian. I didn't know the ins and outs of faith, of what to do, what not to do, the 10 step, the 5 days. I didn't know. All I knew is God is good. And when he said, I want you to leave home, pack your bag, go to America. I said, okay. I just had that confidence that God would never let me down. That God was so good, so faithful that he had my back. See, if he said, just go to America. Okay, people would say, where are you going to go? I said, I don't know. What are you going to do? I don't know. Just God told me to come and here I am. Because I didn't have the 10 step and the 5 this. And I just knew that God, in my faith, my confidence was in God. And you know, even Sarah, it says that in Hebrew 11, 11, that she received strength to conceive. Why? Because she considered God faithful. Her faith, her confidence was in God. And so this morning, you know, my husband, because my husband, like I said, my husband is a builder. And I remember when he built our house, you know, he, he, it took forever to build the foundation. And I'm like, when am I going to see some walls up? 
I'm like, I'm wanting to see that drywall and the thing. And I'm like, Audrey, you patient. He said, the foundation is the most important part of the house. If that foundation is wrong, then the wall, everything down the road is going to crack and crumble. And I, so I want to make sure the foundation, your confidence in God, your faith in God, that is our, 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 our foundation. And you see, if we have a problem receiving, if we have a problem speaking to the mountain and he looks at you and he goes, nah, 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 nah. <laughs> if we have a problem walking in that victory, you know what the problem is? You don't have that faith in God. That foundation somewhere is faltering. That foundation, you know, and, 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 and I'm, I'm going way back because like I said, when I was young and I didn't know a whole lot, I knew one thing. My confidence was in God. You know, he would, God tell me do this, I did it. But you know, one time I had a vision. I had a dream of seeing a lady that I went to school with right, get out of the wheelchair. I saw that, that dream, and then I had an open vision. And then God said, said, you're the one, you pray for her. And so I went back to school, and I went, and I said, hey, sister, and I explained to her. I said, God, I had a, I had a dream. I saw you getting out of the wheelchair. And I said, and I had a vision. And, no, I saw you. I said, God wants to heal. And at that moment, it's like I was in the spirit. It's like everything disappeared. It was like a cloud over me. And I started to minister to her. But all of a sudden, you're like Peter. I got my eyes off of what God told me. And I just kind of turned and I had that thought, what are people going to think? And at that moment, and that lady didn't get out of the wheelchair. But you know what happened to me there? My confidence in God got bruised. Because at that moment, I probably didn't even say it, but something in me was like, God, you kind of let me down. God, you didn't, you told me to do that, but you didn't. And I went to somebody asking, you know, this is what, why didn't work? What didn't happen? And nobody was able to give me a, an answer. And for a while, I just, you know, for praying for the sick, I had that thing that God, do you really have my back? You know, do you, are you, I just felt like God had let me down. I'm being totally vulnerable. And there are some of you this morning. You've prayed for people or you've asked God for your healing and you felt like it hasn't happened. And the Bible says a hope, a hope deferred makes the heart sick. And your confidence in God can God a little be shaken. And so this morning I want to restore that confidence. And I thank God that he did that in my life. When I realized that it wasn't God that let me down. That it was something short-circuited from this side. And when I understood, then my confidence in God was like, God, I know you're there. You're so good. You'll move heaven and earth. You'll do this. You'll do that. You'll come across. You'll talk to and you, you'll just try to move things, do things to get me to that place where I can receive, where I can get healed. When you know what I'm talking about? We've got to come to that place. Matt, I need you. You've got to come to that place. Come here. Where, you know, go right over here. You know where, no, you need to turn, brother. Look at me. Come closer. Just right here. You know, it's just like little children. When they go by the pool, I say, Papi, catch me! 
where you know a little child. Thank you, brother. I checked if he had muscles before I went. You see, that's a confidence like a little child. He has such a confidence in daddy God that he knows that his daddy is never going to leave him, never forsake him if daddy said it. And you see, your confidence in God's word. You will not have confidence in God's word if you don't have confidence in the one who spoke the word. In just the same way, if my husband says something to me because I know him, I have confidence in him, I can take his word to the bank. And some of you, you hear, by the stripes of Jesus, you have been healed. But because your confidence in God. And did you notice something? That right at the beginning, that is the very thing the devil attacked. The goodness of God. When he told Adam and Eve, and he said, oh, look at that tree, it's really good. And she said, well, God says you shall not eat it or touch it. How did God really say? Oh, he knows that the day you eat of it, you'll become like God. She already was like God. But he had deceived her, persuading her that God wasn't really good. He was holding something back. Right there, he challenged the goodness and the integrity of God. And that is the reason why through the years, through the century, that's what's been attacked. The goodness of God, the love of God, the integrity of God. And then let me tell you something. If some of you here have a problem with that, you know what you need to read? The book from Andrew, The True Nature of God. Amen. That book has set me free. Because you read the Old Testament of this and that, and I will not put sickness on you, I put on Egypt, and I will not, da, 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 da. And you're like, there is a conflict on the inside where your confidence in God, you're like, well, is God good? Or is God... And, and, and through the years... God appeared through the law. He appeared like a judge that was mean, like he was a, an obsessive and compulsive perfectionist that was there ready to slap you in the face if you did a, a step aside. And you have that concept that not God is really there, but you kind of deal with it yourself. He's really not there to get your back. He gave it Jesus, but that's okay. Just now you deal with it. And his goodness, his love, his integrity has been so attacked because that is the foundation. And I like what Carly said the other day. She said, faith is relational. It's a relationship. The foundation of our faith is that we have so much faith in who God is, a good father. He loves us. And so I was talking, I want to restore that confidence in who God is. That we can have such a confidence in our Father God. You know that brought a little lady in Africa to hear a healing message. So that a few weeks later she could have not only our cancer gone. But our ovary grow back. And because, let me say, because of the testimony. I was in Paris. And there was a lady who heard, started to listen to those teachings. And heard those testimonies. And they had taken the thyroid out of her throat. And she listened to the word. To those teaching on healing. And one day she went to the doctor and said, what happened to you? The thyroid grew back. <laughs> a guy who was one year in psychiatric hospital. 
One year in psychiatric hospital. Some of you are thinking, well, healing is only really for the physical. No, God is concerned spirit, soul, and body. And that guy in a psychiatric hospital, uh, a friend of, of here, just brought him some of, of my messages on spirit, soul, and body and healing. And he listened and listened, and he got totally healed. After one of them said, you don't need to be here. And I saw him. And miracles here and, and there. Because our confidence is we know that God is good. And the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. And I want to talk to you about what is the testimony of Jesus. What is the testimony of Jesus? So I'm going to take you in a little journey. And I'm going to go to the book of Matthew. Because I'll say it again. The testimony of Jesus, the spirit of prophecy, it means it's a prediction of what God wants to do and is going to do. It's a, it's a declaration of his will and his purpose for you. And so what was the testimony of Jesus in Matthew? And I'm going to go in Matthew and stay in Matthew. Why? Just in case you think, you know, there are four different gospels. Three of them are synoptic gospel. It means they really have much more or less the same in information, the same story through the eyes of Paul, through the eyes of Peter. No, uh, uh, you see, I got it all messed up here. Through the eyes of Matthew and Luke and John and Mark. But I'm going to stay in Matthew. Because lest you think I'm taking the same story repeated from one gospel to the next. So I'm going to stand and look at what is the testimony of Jesus. In Matthew 4, verse 23 and 20, 24 and 23 and 24. And Jesus went about all Galilee teaching in their synagogue. Preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing all kind of sickness and all kind of disease among the people. And then his fame went throughout all Syria. And they brought to him all sick people who were afflicted with various diseases and torments. And those who were demon possessed, epileptic and paralytic. And he healed them. Who is them? All who had any kind of disease. You see, Jesus didn't go, oh yeah, I'm going to heal you, heal you, but not you. He healed them all, no matter what kind of disease they had. Small, medium, large, or supersize. In Matthew 8, verse 16. When evening had come, they brought to him many who were demon-possessed. And he cast out the spirits with a word and healed all who were sick. 935. When Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in the synagogue, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. And when he saw the multitude, he was moved with compassion for them, because they were weary and scattered, sheep having no shepherd. We see here, the multitude came to him, and he healed all again. 12.15 But when Jesus knew, he withdrew from there and great multitude 
followed him and he healed them all. Now let me ask you something. When we see, could we say we have a great multitude here this morning? How many does this place hold? 1,300 max. A few people are standing up. You see, when you can count and you know there is 1,300, it doesn't count as a multitude. When Jesus fed the 4,000, they counted. When he fed the 5,000, he counted. But when he started writing about multitude and great multitude, you know what that means? They can't count them anymore. And he said that he healed them all. If there would be one chance, only one chance, that healing would not be for all, then somebody in that multitude would not have been healed. But he healed them all, even though they were great multitude. Hallelujah. In 1414, I love that. It's just when Jesus heard that his cousin John the Baptist was beheaded. He went in a lonely place, probably, you know, to, to grieve or probably to be with the father and found strength from the father. But that great multitude followed him. And you know what Jesus do? He didn't say, oh, you guys, would you leave me alone to grieve? I just lost my cousin. No. You know what he did? He said, devil, oh, yeah, you take my cousin, said, let me show you something. And the Bible said he went and all the multitude came to him and he healed them all. Oh, glory to God. In verse, in the same chapter. Verse 35 and 36. And when the men of that place recognized him, then sent down into all the surrounding region and brought to him all who were sick and begged him that they might only touch the hem of his garment. And as many had touched it were made perfectly well. Now, I love that verse. You know what that shows me? That notion that God is in heaven and he's the one pulling strings. Oh, today's your day. Oh, I think today is your day. And it's God deciding who, when, and where. That just throws the whole notion out of the water. Because it was not Jesus who decided who was going to get healed. It's those that just pressed in to touch him. Those who touched him were the ones who were getting healed. You see here, it was not Jesus deciding. It was the people making a move. Are you seeing this? We see the testimony of Jesus was to heal all. What does this mean? That what he has done, he wants to do it again. And that is what we're shooting for. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. If that's what he did when he was here, that's what he wants to do. And that's what, I don't know about you, but that's what I'm pressing for. Somebody says, are you shooting for the stars? Oh, no, forget about the stars. I'm shooting for Mars. I want to see all. If Jesus did it, I want to see it. Just last weekend, I was ministering in a place, and I was ministering about Jesus. You know, Paul says, if, you know, you cannot build on any other foundation but Jesus. And we see that Philip preached Jesus. And as I was preaching Jesus, what Jesus did, his will, his intent, his desire. At the end, you know, it wasn't a huge crowd. But you know, every person that came forward to receive healing, they all got healed. 
Thank you, Jesus. The testimony of Jesus, what he did, he wants to do it again. And that's what, in our heart, that has to be settled. Because I like what Carrie said. You see, if that, you cannot experience what you don't expect. If you expect, well, you know, just a few people are going to get healed here and there. Some are going to get healed. No, no, no. You come expecting that, oh, I'm going to get healed. Thank you for that one, amen. Matthew 15, 30. When great multitude came to him, having with them the lame, the blind, the mute, the maimed, and many other, and they were laid down at Jesus' feet, and he healed them, meaning all. And there is so many, there is a few more in Matthew. But you see, that is the heart of Jesus. That is the desire of Jesus. That is what he did. That is what he wants to do today. That is his desire. Even on the day of Sabbath, when the religious people said, uh-uh. You know, in Luke 13, he says, you know, you healed a little lady, a daughter of Abraham, whom sat, Satan has bound these 18 years. Ought not she be free, whom Satan has bound? And oh, it made all the religious people mad as a hornet. But he did, Jesus didn't care. Even though he knew that he healed on the Sabbath day, he knew that he would incur persecution. He didn't care because his heart, his passion, his desire was to heal all. Amen. And even there is a little leper in Mark chapter 1, a little leper. And like many Christians today, they have no doubt that God has the power to heal. God could move his little finger and, oh, yeah, he's got the power. But where they have a problem is, God, are you willing to heal me? The little leper came to Jesus. He says, I know you are able to heal me if you, the big if, if you will. You see, he didn't have a problem knowing that God had the power to heal. But you see, his doubt, his, his, his trouble is like, does he want to heal me? And you know what, Jesus, I love that. Jesus didn't pause. He didn't take one step back saying, oh, let me check. Let me pray fast. Let me ask the Father. Because after all, I, I only do what I see the Father do. He didn't even blink an eye. He immediately stretched his hand and touched him. And he said, I am willing. And you know the word, I am willing. Do you know what that means? Because sometimes we read and we skip and we don't see the depth of, of in that word. And I'm no Greek scholar by any means, but I've got a good concordance. <laughs> you know the Greek, I will mean it's telo, etelo. And it means I will. It's my intention. It is my desire. I love to do it. I take pleasure. I take delight. I am determined to do it. And you know what I love about Jesus? I see his heart, the heart of the Father, that he not only healed his body, but he healed his soul. Because I don't know if you know anything about leper. I mean, I lived in India, and there are lepers colony, which means that they are outside of society. They cannot talk to people. They cannot touch people. They cannot be around people. And I can just imagine. I imagine and I think what that guy, what was going on in his heart. I don't know how long it had been since he had been able to hold his wife in his arm. Or touch his kids. Or be with friends. Or just feel the human touch. He felt rejected. He felt shameful. He felt like, you know, kids would see him throw stones at them. 
And Jesus, you know what he did? He stretched his hand, said, you mean so much to God. And he not only healed his body, he healed his heart, his human dignity. He placed him back in society, said, you have value in Father's eyes. And by touching him right now, he said, you know, as a rabbi, that was big. We think no big deal, but as a rabbi, that was big deal. A rabbi was not supposed to touch anything unclean. Who cared, Jesus said. I want you to see the love of God, the passion of God. Even in John chapter 9, so many people will go with that verse and say, Oh, you know, that man was born blind. And there are many Christians like that who sinned, him or his parents, that he was born blind. And said, well, you see, sometimes God will allow sickness so that one day, da-da-da, God be glorified. God is not like that. God is a good father. You know, let me tell you, you see, in the Greek, there is no punctuation. Because you see, who sinned? Him or his, his father, that he was born blind. And Jesus said, neither him nor his father sinned, but that the glory of God may be manifested in him. Wait, 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 wait. People say, you see, he was born blind, so that one day God will be glorified. <laughs> wrong punctuation. The period is in the wrong place. And the period is put at the discretion of the translators. Just like that word, present to heal, that word present was added because it's in italic. And you know how you can read that verse? Jesus said, neither him nor his parent, period. Who cares who sinned? That's not the most important. But that the works of God may be manifested in him. I have to do the works of God while it's still day. Because darkness comes when no one can work. You know what Jesus is saying? Stop fasting with a bunch of theological matter. What is important is to do the works of God. To heal all. To heal everybody. That's what us was on the, the heart of God. And Jesus' father was so passionate about healing everybody. That was his passion, his drive. You know, that's what the Bible said. First John 3, 8. For this reason it came to destroy the works of the devil. Peter said, through Luke, he said, how the Son of Man was anointed with the Holy Spirit and power, who went around doing good and healing just a few. No, healing all. You see, that is the heart of God. That is the divine will and purpose of God. That is the testimony of Jesus. And not only that's what he did everywhere he went, healing all. But you know what he did? It was, he wanted so much, you and I, to know the heart of God, the desire of the Father, so that we would return to that original intent, intent of being sons and daughters of God, totally whole, spirit, soul, and body, looking, expressing the likeness of our Father. That he said, I'm going to go to the cross and I'm going to give my life and the plan of redemption. We've talked about it. You know what the plan of redemption is? Jesus going to the cross. Do you know what that is? It's the legal act that gives you and I the legal right to receive what the salvation, healing, prosperity, everything. In another word, until that day, God wanted to heal so much 
everywhere, all the time. Even the Jews, the Israel, they were stiff-necked. They were rebelling. When they cried out to God, God said, okay, make a, ra- a brazen serpent. Whoever will look at it will be healed. Or just throw, a, 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 you know, a, a, a tree on the water and they'll have water. Or just go and kill a Passover lamb and whoever eat of the lamb will receive strength. God wanted to heal even Israel, but he healed, he healed, he healed, and he healed all. And when Jesus came, he healed them all. But you know what? He healed them at credit. What do I mean by that? What is this? A credit card. Ching and ching. Do you know what that means? That means that hopefully you have the money, but not in your pocket. It means that you want something. For example, you see that, you know, football season. You see that flat screen TV and you want it. You know that you don't have the money right out. You're going to have it at the end of the month. So you say, okay, I'm going to go to the store and I'm going to buy that screen. And so you give that credit card and they go, nice luck. And that means you can have it now and pay for it later. But let me tell you, the bill will come and you better pay it. Somebody's going to have to pay it. And God healed people at credit for thousands of years. When Jesus was on earth, he healed them all. But he healed them at credit. But when he went on the cross and he hung and his blood shed and he said, Father, today take up my spirit. Oh, and he became sin. He became a curse. What did he do at that moment? He paid the credit card. Now, let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. It'd be like, you know, I see maybe, you know, Carly just walking everywhere. She doesn't have a car. And I see, and out of the abundance of my heart, I said, you know what? That woman is such an awesome person. I want to bless her. And I go to the Mercedes-Benz dealership, and I go and buy a car. It's the spirit of prophecy, sister. And I go and I pay for the car. And then I go to her and I, you know, and I give her the title deed. You remember faith is a title deed? And, and, and I said, yeah, call me, yeah. Here's a, would it be just ridiculous if she said, oh, I wonder if it's the will of Audrey for me to have that car. <laughs> would be ridiculous. Come on, I paid for it. It's no longer a question, is it your will? It's paid for. It's done. Chicka ching. So now it's a done deal. All we all she has to do is go to the dealership and said, I need the car and the key and everything. Thank you. You see, but the problem, you know, it's like some people you don't know that you've got what you've got that healing is paid for it's the will of God it's not just his will but it's his passion his desire he wants you healed more than you even want it he's sometimes even pursuing you to say hey here it is and you're like me God give me healing and here is that that Texan guy pursuing me for three years You understand what I'm saying? Hallelujah. It would be ridiculous. But here is something else I found. That God is so, so, so good. 
Because you know sometimes, here is a problem. We hear the word. You know, you go to conferences. To, to, you hear the word. You read the word. And you go on one, you're like, man, confess the word. You've got to kind another one. It's like you've got to enter the rest. And another one is just like, speak to the mountain. And the other one is, do this. The other one, and you're like, all of a sudden, it's like you have a whole deck of card. All those revelation, all the words, everything you know, all that knowledge that you've got. And I see sometimes, you know, knowledge is really good. But sometimes when we have so much knowledge, I've noticed sometimes people get confused. They're like, it's like having a deck of card and they go, okay, I've got cancer. Do I confess? Okay, no, I do. Maybe I just, I got to enter the rest. No, I've got to fight the good fight of faith. No, I've got to. Of God, faith is an act. And they all of a sudden, they're like, but God, let me say something. God is for you, not against you. That's why Jesus said, you see, because in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 57, it says, thanks be to God who always gives us the victory in Christ Jesus. On the cross, Jesus obtained that victory. That we know, we have that confidence but so many people, people have like that deck of cards. It's like, okay, I know I have the victory, but how do I get there? How do I get to that victory? I know I have it, but how do I get there? But you know, a chapter later, later or a letter later, Paul said in 2 Corinthians 2.14, he said, thanks be to God who leads us to triumph. That's why he sent us the Holy Spirit. He sent us the Holy Spirit because his heart. Do you see his heart? Do you see his generosity? Do you see his goodness? Do you see his faithfulness? He said, I want you healed. I want you blessed so much. I'm giving you the victory. Oh, and by the way, I'm going to send you one just like me. The spirit of truth. He will lead you into the truth. He will put things to your remembrance. He will even show you things to come. And you know, I remember, because thanks be to God, I had founded my life on the word. And you know, oftentimes the Holy Spirit, and I say most of the time, the Holy Spirit will be able to lead us when he's able to pull from the card. You see, if your deck is empty, because no, you have no word, you haven't built your life on the word, the Holy Spirit will try to help you do everything he can, but it's like... But when you build your life on the word, and that was what happened to me in 1999, I had chosen to live, build my life on the rock, on the word of God. I was pursuing God and filling my heart with the word. And then one, you know, three times in a row, two in the morning. That's how good God is. First night he wakes me up two in the morning and I'm thinking, well, maybe I ate too much pizza. <laughs> so the next day, two in the morning, I wake up. I'm like, okay, and usually I sleep like a rock, not like a baby because babies stay up all night. <laughs> right, Lily? Take a night, two in the morning. Finally, the third night, two in the morning, I wake up and I'm like, oh, okay, I get it. It's you, Holy Spirit, you're trying to show me something. So I get out of bed. I went into my living room and I didn't know why he woke me up. I didn't know what was going on. So I prayed. I prayed in the Spirit. And I prayed in tongues. And I prayed in tongues for 15, 20 minutes. And all of a sudden, I heard in my spirit, 
I heard there is cancer in your body. Now, let me say something and add something. It wasn't the devil. I know the difference. Because the Holy Spirit was warning me of something. I don't know about you, but I like to know the danger before it happens. And how did I, knew, I know that it was the Holy Spirit? Because immediately there was a peace. And immediately after I heard there is cancer in your body, he says, but he gave me the plan of attack. He said, but the joy of the Lord will be your strength. And right there I had a key. He was giving me a key. And then he told me all the things. Another thing he told me, he said, hey, don't tell anybody you have cancer, but only five people that believe like you do. I did not understand. Honestly, I did not know and I did not understand what the Holy Spirit was telling me. But what he, you know what he was doing? He was showing me things to come, warning me of danger. And then he was giving me the plan of attack. And he told me, the joy of the Lord will be your strength. So right there in my living room, I knew it was a key. So I'm saying, what do you do with a key? And I knew the joy was already in me. wasn't coming from up there. And Paul said, stir up the gift of God that you have received by the laying on of hands. For God has not given you a spirit of fear, but power, love, and sound mind. And let me tell you something. Right here in my living room, you know what I did? Ha, ha, he, he, ho, ho. That's the key the Holy Ghost gave me. I'm going to open me that door. Ha, ha, ho, ho, he, he, ho, ho. And I started to laugh. And then a song just floated. The joy of the Lord is my strength. And so in my living room, I'm just like dancing and the singing, the joy. And I'm feeling so stupid. And I'm feeling so self-conscious. And I'm feeling like, ah, you're crazy. But who cares? But let me back up a little bit. You know, a week before, I was starting to experience major pain in my body. And my husband, before we got married, had lost his wife to cancer. So my husband said, Audrey, okay, you have pain. For me, I'm like, I don't need the dog. I'm like, forget about it. But my husband said, I would like you to go and, 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 go and check to a doctor. I'm like, okay. So I had made an appointment. But in, before I got to the appointment, the Holy Ghost had already given me the, the plan of attack. He already said, the joy of the Lord is your strength. Don't tell anybody. And then he started to tell me other things. It's too long to tell all of this, but. And I, so I started to, to, ha, ha, he, he, ho, hu. And the joy of the Lord in my soul. But after 25 minutes of he, he, ha, ha, ho, ho, a hu, hu, all of a sudden, out of my guts, my belly, it's like a river that flowed out. I started to laugh and laugh and I started to just roll on the floor. And at that moment, I had a heavenly perspective. It was not, oh me. And you know, let me add something. You can, and I like what he said, you can, you cannot be a victim and a victor at the same time. And right there in my living room, I knew I was no victim. I knew I was a victor. And right there, I had a heaven perspective where I knew, oh, glory to God, this challenge, whatever it is, it's going to be my greatest victory. And right there in my living room, I started to laugh and I started to see it. Number one, I knew. What, Paul, what Peter said, counted it all joy. And what James said, when you encounter all kind of trials. Because I knew I had the victory. And I knew the Holy Ghost was the one leading me to the triumph. And so I did what he, I, I did what he told me to do. 
And long story short, without any medical, you know, a few days later I went to the doctor and cancer had never even crossed my mind. I never even thought of cancer. Never. And when I went to the doctor, I went there just with a big smile on my face. I mean, I relate to what you said. I'm in the, you know, waiting room and I'm like laughing, big smile. I'm, I've got my victory already. I've got my, you know, I've got it. And I'm in the waiting room with big smile and people, I'm like, are you waiting for somebody? I'm, no, I'm not here for, what do you have? Wow. I don't know. Uh, you know, I, I think they say I have cancer. They look at me. Why are you so happy? Because God has healed me. And it's all on my CDs there of that whole journey. But this is what I want you to see. You see, you see I, had, I had built my life on the word, but it's the Holy Ghost that had the deck of cards and said, Hey, Audrey. The joy of the Lord shall be your strength. Hey, Audrey, by the way, keep your mouth shut. You remember Zechariah? He opened his big mouth and I had to shut it. Or he would not have received this miracle. God is so good. You see, when he shut Zechariah's mouth, it was not to punish him. Like, no, God loved him so much, wanted to bless him so much. He said, if I want to bless the guy, if I want to do a miracle with through him, I'm going to have to shut his mouth. And that's what God did with me. And so, from there, the Holy Ghost had gave me the plan of attack. And so when I went to the doctor and they said, Mrs. Mack, I'm sorry to tell you, you've got bone cancer. And they sent me to an oncologist and I had a big smile on my face. And she thought I was in denial. <laughs> and they sent me to the oncologist in a specialist and they did you know all kind of tests on me i'm right cat scan bone scan every kind of scan you can imagine but i had just a piece i just knew right there in my living room because the holy ghost had led me to the triumph he told me tick and you know let, let me say that do you know what i found out later you know how you can read a verse and then you read it without reading it you read it but you know years it's just a few years ago I read my Bible in Proverbs 17, 22, and I read, a merry heart does good like medicine, but an anxious, but a, a anxiety rots out the bone. Come on, the Holy Ghost was giving me the right medicine. He was giving me like, like Andrew see the right gospel. You see, you've got your bones that are cancerous. Let me give you the right pill, joy. But now, you see, let me say this. So sometimes the problem is people, they use the word like a method, like a principle. Ah, oh, Audrey Math, she just went and she, she laughed. She did this and she did that. She didn't tell anybody I'm going to do what she did. And no, 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 no. Go to the Holy Spirit. Remember, it's a relation. You've, your confidence is in God. You know that he wants you healed more than you do. And so because he wants you healed more than you do, you know, oh, glory to God, that healing is already paid for. It's already given to me, but I'm going to go to the Holy Spirit because I've put the word in my heart and the Holy Spirit is going to tell me exactly what I need to do at that specific moment. It's not because the Holy Ghost is a control freak. It's not because he won't like it's because he knows you. 
your heart, your situation. He knows he's the spirit of wisdom and revelation. What is wisdom? Is how to apply the knowledge for the given situation. It's not you going, oh, I've got that. I'm, I'm, and the other day I was, I was in that church and that lady, she's a little, I don't understand. I've done everything I know to do. I've confessed. I've prayed in tongues eight hours. I've did this. I've did that. I said, just, that's the problem. You've tried to do everything. Why don't you just consider God what Jesus, put your eyes on God. Have your confidence in God. And then you so confident in God, you turn to Holy Spirit and say, Holy Spirit, what shall you have me do? And he will show you for your situation what you ought to do. Hallelujah. God wants you healed so much. That's why he sent us the Holy Spirit, the spirit of truth, to lead you into the truth, to show you things to come, to bring things to your remembrance. Are you hearing me this morning? You see, that's why you and I, you know, the gospel, it's, it's balance. Now, Andrew says it so well, balance between grace and faith, the word and the spirit. Building your life on the word, but depending on the Holy Spirit. Walking with the Holy Spirit, talking to him. And he shows you. Just like, I mean, Carly, you just show her, check your bra. Hello. <laughs> One time I remember I had fallen and I had, you know, carpal tunnel. You know, I don't know how they call it. And I, I couldn't, I was so in pain in my, you know, and I couldn't even do this or hold anything. And so I prayed. I prayed. And I, I, and I lay hands on me and I, you know... And then it got better, but there was still a tint of little pain just still remaining. And so I prayed and I said, Lord, what's going on? And I just heard the Holy Spirit says, drink more water and stop eating too much sweets. <laughs> okay. Sometimes we think the Holy Ghost is only speaking like, thou shall fast 40 days. Hello. That spoke to the brother over there. You see, it's that relish, relationship with the word and the spirit. And I love what, you know. Um, now let me, I'm going to add, how much time do I have? So praise God, we have, I'm going to do like Paul, preach all night. And then somebody's going to fall off the window, glory to God. Kidding. Because you see, the temptation is sometimes to hear a testimony or to hear what somebody has done, what God has told somebody to do. And the temptation is one to do that. And you know what it does? It makes you independent from Holy Spirit. You see, it's not a method. It's not a principle. It's a relationship. And sometimes, you know, we think, well... You know, we always hear, you know, faith, you've got to quit your medicine, or faith, you've got to do this, or you've got to do that. Yes, if it's what the Holy Ghost tells you to do. Because it's not wrong to, it's not a sin to go to the doctor. It's not a sin to take medicine, if that's what the Holy Ghost tells you. You said, Audrey, are you saying that maybe the Holy Ghost might tell you? Yeah, he might. 
You know, I remember when I got married. Long story short, I was 36 years old. Lady, there is hope. <laughs> and I wanted so much. I had left at 23. I had left, you know, everything. I just, like Abraham, I didn't look back. I just came to America. I didn't know anybody. But I said, oh, one day I'll have a family. I'll have, fr- and I have, you know. And God had given me a promise. He said, you know, you have left your land and your country. I'm going to give you family and homes and land and everything. So I'm like looking forward. And I got married. I'm in a new town, Jacksonville. I don't know anybody. I'm married to a man. Going to a church, I really, you know, uh, uh, like I said, my husband had lost his wife, and the, his family didn't like that, that he got married a year later. And so here I am, and they didn't want me. And, I, I'm, I'm, and the Holy Ghost told me to put my ministry on hold for two years to build my marriage. Wisdom of the Holy Spirit. And I can do what I do now because I obey the Holy Ghost. But long story short, the first, you know, we said, oh, the first year of marriage is your honeymoon. Da-da-da. For me, it was. <laughs> Hell cannot get worse than this. <laughs> and I make the mistake, listen to me, for the first eight months of my marriage, I mean, I don't have anybody to talk to. I don't have a friend. I don't have a ministry. I'm in a home that is not mine. Uh, I I got a family. On the day of my wedding, my mother-in-law is like this. And turned everybody against me. I mean, it was like awful. But here is the mistake I I made. I took my eyes off God. I started to think on the wrong thing. I started to feel sorry for myself. And I started to think. And you know, when you start thinking on the wrong things... Like, like Andrew said, it's like a horse. You can't control him. And you know why? I found out that's why I ended up with bone cancer, anxiety, depression. I have nightmare at night, waking up, just, just crying. Because I, 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 well, anyway, let's move on. Somebody needs to listen to that and take it. Don't let your mind run wild. And so I went to the doctor just for a normal checkup, you know, and the doctor looks at me and she asks me a question, and, and so I, I, I answer, and she's like, Mrs. Mag, what's going on? She talks to me, and all of a sudden, ah, I'm crying. I'm like right here. And then she said, you need help. And then she starts to kind of do some stuff on me and check me up. She said, you've got chemical imbalance. You know, you are bordering like bipolar. You know, she kind of gave me a, you know, whole diagnosis of things. She gave me a pill. Oh, man, I was not happy with it. I went home and I'm like, I am a woman of faith. I'm not taking that pill. And I didn't. My poor husband. (laughs) Finally, I had mercy on him. And I said, if it's not for me, at least it's for him. So I took the pill, but I felt so condemned. I felt so, I would take the pill feeling so condemned. I felt like a failure. I'm a woman of faith. I was a missionary. I traveled around the world. And now I'm having to take a pill. I felt so condemned, but I took that pill under condemnation. And then one day I said, by golly, I'm going to stop. I'm a woman of faith. I'm stopping that pill. And I stopped the pill. Big mistake. 
the emotion was going, do, 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 do. Poor husband. And then when I just went to the Holy Spirit and I said, Holy Spirit, I said, I don't understand. I'm trying, I'm walking by faith. And he said, Audrey, he said, listen to me right now. You, he said, like you're juggler, you're trying to juggle too many balls and we're trying to add more. And you can, he said, you need a little rest. He said, this is what the Holy Ghost told me. He said, take that pill, but take it by faith. He said, and take it by faith until you can build yourself up and get you back into the right place of faith. He said, and when it's time to quit, I will tell you. And so I said, okay. And he said, when you take that pill, take it by faith. He said, I said, why do I do that? Lord? He said, every time you take that pill, say, Lord, I thank you that that pill is going to do me good and not bad. No, so, you know, like Andrew said, side effect. And when it's time to quit, you tell me, Lord. And so every day I did this the pill. Lord, I thank you that this, this pill helps me. It doesn't do me bad. It does me good. And when it's time to quit, I thank you that I take it by faith. You see, before that, I was taking it under condemnation, under fear. And you know, after, I don't know, two weeks, three weeks, I don't remember. I woke up one morning and it's like, I just knew. I just knew you don't need that pill anymore. And I took those pill, put them in the, in the toilet, and flushed it. And that was 1999, and I have never needed any more. So let me say, what I'm talking to you this morning is bringing you that confidence in God. That not only gave you the victory, but he sent you the Holy Spirit to lead you from A to Z. To lead you to triumph. To lead you to that place of wisdom where you know what to do and how to do it. By the Holy Spirit. Because you see, if you just try to take the word and use it as a method, as a principle, there will be no life. Because faith is a, it's relational. Faith is a relationship with a God who loves you, with the Holy Spirit that is there, the helper, to help you. Are you getting something? Yeah. And so tomorrow night, I'm going to talk a little further, because I've talked to you about having faith in God. But I'm going to go a little further tomorrow night and share more of practical things that will help you to go from point A to Z. That once you have that confidence in God, that it's unshakable, that you know Daddy God's got, that's got your back. You don't have to wonder, is he going to be good to his word? Does he really care for me? You know, that's what happened to the disciple in the boat. You know, when they all a storm, what did they do? They woke up, Jesus, don't you care? What happened? Their confidence in God was being shaken. And that's what a lot of people, are, many people are. Because something happened. It's like, God, don't you care? Are you there? Are you really? Are you really? Or are you just leaving me, you in the cosmos somewhere, and you leaving me all by myself to try to figure it all out? No. 
Daddy God has got the victory for you, but he's also sent you the one in you to lead you to that victory. He's giving you the word and the spirit. And now let me add something else. Because you know, every time in the healing, and, and you know, I was talking about healed of cancer, moral of the story. Nine months later, without any treatment, without any chemotherapy. And like I said, I'm not against that. If that's what's going to take, you know, if that's why the Holy Ghost, you feel the peace in your heart, that that's what you're supposed to do, follow the peace. You understand? And don't be in condemnation thinking you're a failure. No, you're just doing what in your heart there is a peace. But I didn't, I had the, you see, in my living room, when I obeyed the, and heard the Holy Ghost and did what he told me to do, I opened that, you know, that, that. <laughs> I got the key of the safe of the inheritance, what allowed me to get a hold of it. And I knew that night I was healed. And I knew I was not a victim, I was a victor. And at that moment, I knew that that trial, that what the devil was doing was going to be my greatest victory, was going to be it. You know, people ask me, Audrey, how did you get into healing ministry? Let me tell you, right there in my living room. At two in the morning. Your greatest trial become your great, greatest stepping stone. And right then in my living room, I told devil, I said, devil, you made a big mistake. I said, this is an opportunity to give you a black eye, to glorify God, and to show the world that God is good. Hallelujah. And so I want, I'm going to close right here. Oh, I was going to tell you something and I almost forgot. I was saying sometime when you have, when you go in, in, in healing ministry or in your life, you know, the walk of faith means that sometime, like a little child that learns to walk, sometime you're going to fall down. But you don't stay down, you get back up. But you said, okay, what, did, what, what happened there? Teach me something, show me something. You know, sometimes as I go in healing ministry, my desire, my expectancy is to see all healed. But when somebody doesn't get healed, I say, Lord, what is it? Why? And I remember one time there is a guy. I was in Switzerland and he told me, he said, Audrey, I don't understand. He said, my father had cancer. And he went and, and God told him to do that. And he did it and he got healed. He said, but one year later, that cancer came back. And he did the same thing. And he did, and he died. Why? And that bothered me. I'm like, I don't understand, Lord, why? And then the Holy Ghost showed me not long ago. He said, let me tell you why. The first time he went to the Holy Spirit, he went to God. He put his eyes on God. He heard the Holy Spirit. He did what the Holy Spirit told him to do. That was his key, and he got his victory. See, but the second time, you know what he did? He didn't go to the Holy Spirit. He just did the same thing that he did the first time. And that reminds me, that reminds me of King David. When he was attacked, he said that he went to the Lord and seek the Lord. And the Lord told him, he said, you go, go up the mountain and you attack them from there. And so that's what David did. But you know, a few verses, three verses later in First Chronicle 14, it says that the same people attacked them, attacked David in the same place. You know what David did? 
He didn't go and said, oh, God told me to go up the mountain. It worked. Same people, same place. I'm going to do the same thing. He didn't do that. You know what he did? He went to God again. He said, God, they're attacking me. What shall I do? And God says, don't go to the mountain like you did the first time. No, you go and surround them around and I'll give them to you. Same people, same place, same problem, same enemy. And so that's what we have to do. Don't use the word like a, you know, like a a principle or a method or a 10 step. No. Feel, build your house on the rock. Build yourself on the word. And then when there is, when there is an attack, Holy Spirit, what shall I do? You need me. The word and the spirit. Confidence, having confidence in God that is on your side to bring you to that victory. So this morning, I want to ask you something. In the few minutes that we have left together, if there is somebody here this morning, you had some last, somehow kind of, you know, lost that confidence in God. For whichever reason something has happened and you felt like, God, you kind of like let me down. Why didn't you come through for me? And today you realize that it wasn't God that let you down. God was always there. But you feel like, I want to get back to that place completely where my confidence is in God. Where I know that I know. And you know what I had to do when I realized that it wasn't God that let me down? It was just that I took my eyes off of him and put them on people. I had to repent and say, God, I'm sorry. Sorry for doubting your goodness. Sorry for believing the lie that you let me down, that you didn't have my bag. That Forgive me, Father. God is so good. So I'm going to ask you to do something. I'm going to ask you to close your eyes. Not as a religious thing. It's just that you just... Close yourself in your little sanctuary. And if you are here this morning and you said, you know what? I need, I need to do that. I need to have my confidence in God. Yes, I see that hand. I see those hands. I see those hands all over. I need to come to that place of total confidence in God. So I'm going to ask you just to repeat this prayer after me. Father God, forgive me for doubting you, for believing the lie. Today, I understand that you are a good, good father. That you will never leave me, never forsake me. That you are for me not against me so I receive the truth and this morning I make a decision to live my life on this truth that my confidence is in God not what I see not what I don't see not what I hear but my confidence is in you father Because you're a good father. And I'm loved by you. 
So I receive your love. And I thank you for loving me. In Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. God is a good father. That's who he is. And you're loved by him. That's who you are. Amen. And you can help. But, and you know what Paul said? He said that you may be rooted and grounded in the love of God. That you may know how deep, how wide, how long, how high is the love that God has for you. Why? That you may be filled with the fullness of God. If you're not filled with the fullness of God, it's because you don't know who your daddy is. Amen. God bless you. Daniel, Matthew. Mm-hmm.